powered by the steam coming out of Gordon Tallis's ears. It's the Rugby League Cemetery. Yes, this is the Rugby League Cemetery, and it's very good to have you with us for another episode, uh, another pointless and tedious pouring over of a game from the past. But today, we're looking at 1998 Round 8 from the 1st of May 1998, the Super Bowl. Ladies and gentlemen, now, if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm, of course, talking about the game between the Newcastle Knights and the Brisbane Broncos uh, in the early rounds of 98, uh, which was billed as the Super Bowl because they both won the Premiership in 1997. 98 was the only year where there were two reigning premiers. Brisbane, of course, had won the Super League over Cronulla. The Knights, of course, had won the ARL over Manly in dramatic circumstances. And they finally came together in the eighth round of the 98 competition at Marathon Stadium. People queued up from two o'clock in the afternoon to get in to see the clash between the two biggest sides of the time, 27,119 in driving rain at Marathon Stadium. And Gazzy, uh, th- th- this game itself is a turkey and we're not going to spend too much time on it, but it is an opportunity to to talk about the two competitions and these great sides. And uh, I might actually take you through the two sides just as a bit of a marker of how many good players ran around in this game. Uh, but th- this, is a, this is a kind of game, obviously, that you will never see again between two reigning premiers. Uh, and really, th- these are two sides that you'll never see again um, for in, in this now that we have the salary cap and that sort of thing, there are just so many good players in both these teams and particularly the Broncos. Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, as you said, that the game ends up a little bit of a squib, but um, not helped by the pouring rain, but it's a window into the, into a time and, and the feeling in the game and, and the time of the game is unique. And it was uh, enjoyable, very enjoyable to go back and watch it, albeit that our team got completely pizzled. <laughs> yes. But it, it's, you're, you're absolutely right. The Broncos team that they've put together is... Yeah, I can't fit it under two salary caps now. Um, you know, Nick Politis couldn't fit it under two salary caps. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's not not possible. No matter how many times Parramatta had their sponsors paying a cleaning bill to a player or whatever it was, invoicing the players for fake cleaning bills, you can't get this many players under the salary no, cap. That's right. And, I, um, yeah. Yeah. Maybe you should run us through them, first of all. Yeah, I'll do that. Uh, the night side is uh, a little bit weakened by injuries and suspensions and that kind of thing, but... Uh, Mark Hughes at fullback, the centers, uh, the wings, Brett Grogan and Adam McDougal, centers, Matthew Gidley, Owen Craigie, the halves, Matthew Johns, Andrew Johns, uh, the front row, Tony Butterfield, Lee Jackson and Paul Harrigan, Neil Piccinelli, Troy Fletcher, Wayne Richards in the back row and the bench, Glenn Grief, Peter Shields, a very, very young Danny Badiris and Jason Allen, coached, of course, by the great Malcolm Reilly and uh, the Broncos side, uh, strap in, fullback, Darren Lockyer, wings, Wendell Saylor, Michael Hancock, uh, centers, Steve Renoff and Tony Carroll. Halves, Kevin Walters, Alan Langer. Front row, Shane Webke. Uh, so just to be clear, we've got to the eighth player in the team and all of these people have played state of origin and tests at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Plath at hooker. Petro Sivanaseva, another state of origin player and test player. Gordon Tallis in the second row with Brad Thorne and Darren Smith at lock. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> the, Correct me if I'm wrong, John Plath 
is the only player in the starting side who didn't play state of origin and test football. Yeah, black sheep. But just goes to show weakened, aren't they? The Broncos post Super League just couldn't put it together. <laughs> yeah, well, you've got to remember they've had, yeah, they've lost Lazarus at this point. Um, yeah, yeah. well, it's well. a good point. You know, Petro Sivanasiva is in his debut season, and like that must have been really difficult for them losing Lazo at the end of '97 and having to call on Petro Sivanasiva. Yeah, well, they also Real, had um, Andrew. They also had it? Andrew G out yeah. of this game, unavailable. Yeah. The bench, by the was way, the talk of a curse. The Lazo <laughs> curse couldn't replace him. Petro straight in. <laughs> so that's right. Yeah. The bench. The bench is fairly good going as well. Ben Walker, who went on to be quite a good player. Mm-hmm. Kevin Campion, Philip Lee and John Driscoll, coached, of course, by Wayne Bennett. Uh, the result of this game, in case you don't know, is Brisbane 26, Newcastle 6. Uh, it's not much of a game and we're not going to spend that much time on it. What we are going to do is talk about these two teams and also kind of try and idly speculate, to kind of do a bit of navel-gazing as to what would have happened if mm-hmm. these two sides had played in a grand final and try and settle or, or make a make a serious contribution to the intellectual discussion about which was the better competition, the 1999 Super League or the 1999, uh, sorry, the 1997 Super League or the 1997 ARL. But Gazzy, I think there are a few players in these two teams that you want to talk about first of all. Yeah, look, I think, again, we'll rush through this pretty quickly. Um, but I think it's important we do do some game observations of players in the in the game. Um, it would take me quite a while to run you through the history of all the good players. So I'm going yeah. to, for example, skip them because, you know, if we ran through all the internationals, that might take three hours. But I'm just going to just a couple of guys that either did a lot, didn't do much or otherwise noteworthy in this game. Um, first of all, uh, I, I think... I'll talk about the Knights captain, Paul Harrigan, just quickly. Um, The chief, one of the great players of the club, um, is very noticeably on his last legs in this game. Um, Really physically struggling. Uh, He sort of goes down a couple of times. He has a lot of trouble with his hands. He's in agony with his knee. I don't know if you saw that in the second half where nothing happens and he's just clutching it. That's what ends up retiring him halfway through the next season. And what I wanted to say about the chief is, having watched this game... As gone as he is, it was so clear to me. It reminded me, having not watched him play for a long time, why he was so beloved. Because one thing you notice is every single play he tries to do in this game is a genuine attempt to influence the outcome or change the momentum. And what I mean by that is when a front rower or someone runs the ball near him, he wildly launches it himself looking to absolutely murder him to the ground there's no professional tackle soft tackle or make his tackle he tries to kill people he gets the ball and he just murders it into the line and sometimes it works sometimes he gets picked up and dropped he's starting to bounce off a bit but it's such a throwback you don't see front rowers play like that now he's got this intent every time he has it to genuinely change the game for his team to make a play that makes people sit up and just takes you with him, you know what I mean? Yeah. And he's very noticeably gone and not quite as able to do it. He has his days from here. There's one or two good days left in the Chief. But it, he was really struggling physically. But, God, that, that intent, wasn't it there? To, yeah, it was. There's a run in the second yeah. half. Of, I remember that bit that you mentioned where he goes down clutching his knee and he's in all sorts of trouble. Um, he goes off after that. But he comes back on. And makes a hit up in with about 20 minutes to go when they're dead. Like, it's 20 to 6. The rain is just mm. bucketing down. It's all over. Like, the game, it's a very sterile second half. And uh, and he just makes this carry out of nowhere, just winds up off the back fence and charges into them. He's obviously playing with, like, quite a number of debilitating injuries mm. and just ploughs himself into this into the teeth of this forward pack that's one of the best forward packs ever assembled. Um, yeah, it's remarkable. 
Yeah. But you're right. a real he, point he, of going after Webkey, didn't he? Like he yeah. just, he didn't always work. It did sometimes, sometimes it didn't. But he, um, yeah, his knee was gone. He'd, he'd missed games in 97 with migraines, which I, I don't want to speculate, but given everything we know about concussion now and how many, he, he played several origins, you know, knocked out. You've got to think maybe he was, might have had some issues with that, given he was missing games with headaches at the end of his career. Yeah. Knee's gone. But, but he's come through these games like... Um, just it just reminded me of why Newcastle fans are so fond of him because yeah. there's just we love people who have a dig here and everything he did like in a loss was like well Jeezy was trying to change the outcome for the better there there's no phoning it in at all. Well, I remember <laughs> when I was a kid. You, I mean, we're both Newcastle support. I, yeah. I remember being a kid. I would have been six or seven when this game was played, and the but even at this point, even after '97. And like he was the hero of the team. It wasn't Andrew Johns. It was it was still the chief. And when he was out, it was a lesser it was a lesser day at the football. You know, the, when he, mm. when he came back into the team, there was just great excitement. Oh, the chief's back. We're on here. This this will be you know we'll have a good day. Yeah, um, yeah you're right. He he was beloved, and um, mm. he only played about. I, I did look at this. I think he played eleven mm. games after this. I played the yeah. next week, having gone down four times with injury, but um, mm. he didn't have much left in the tank. Uh, at all one of his one of his last great games was actually the next season where he barely played and he wanted to get picked for Australia and he came out and we beat them by a Matt Johns field goal beat Brisbane at home the next season and he clobbered Webkey about four times and didn't get picked for Australia sort of rightfully but he sort of came, it was sort of his last stand the Custer's yeah. last stand there for a while he came in and um yeah I just it was good to see him again um Another player I wanted to mention is that Gordon Tallis was a fucking wrecking ball. I'm not <laughs> sugarcoating that no. in any way. Where no. are we? And did you forget he had footwork like that when he was younger? He was like quick. The, the, he, had a bit of, yeah. he had a bit of pace off the mark as well. Yeah, he, he was dynamic. It, He's a call he, for you. What about when he decks um, the chief? He just picks him up. Yeah, and like the, yeah. He just dumps him. Like, bang. Have he that. gives him Under the forearm the and the head on the ground yeah, yeah, too. Yeah. Like, Dumps him, forearm into the ground. He was a tearaway. Here's one for you. He, some of the, when he makes this line break with the in and away and stuff, he sort of reminded me of like Brisbane David Fafida. Like that's how, like he was really, people think of him as this hard enforcer and he was, but he was really athletic, wasn't he? I forgot that he moved like that. Really like a powerful centre back rower, not, not this plodding middle no, he had, a, he had a real gallop. Yeah, yeah. He, he was. Um, no, he was very, very impressive. I, I was a little bit triggered by it, having had spent mm. a lot of time as a Newcastle and New South Wales fan. Um, kind of, you know, I, I used to find Gordon Tallis to be a bit of a boogeyman because um, he was quite frightening even as a kid watching at home. He's <laughs> a bit like he's a bit troubling. He always had those mad eyes. And oh no. Yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't. I when I first when he first flashed up on the screen, I thought, oh god, not this again. Yeah. Mm, yeah. yeah no you forget with this Brisbane side. And I, you forget that because they're, they're not overly good now and they haven't been, they, they, they haven't got back to this level that they were at. But mm. They were the team. Weren't they? Like they, there is no, playing Brisbane, you just penciled in. They won every, it felt like, felt like they won mm. every week. You never beat them. Nobody ever beat them. Um, mm-hmm. If they won, it was news. Sorry, if they lost, it was newsworthy. If someone got them, usually for some reason Parramatta during this era, but if someone beat them, mm. that was, that was news. Um, mm. They were, they were just the dominant thing in the competition. They were miles ahead of everybody. It felt like um, mm. at the time. And, and they were like, they were, they were these boogeymen, you know, I was like, Oh, the Broncos, you know, we're going to play them. It, uh, it's, it hasn't been like that for a long time, but they were just so fearsome and ferocious during this period. 
Oh, yeah, they absolutely were. And arrogant. And I don't mean yeah. that as a knock on them. I mean, they had this arrogance that they earned where they swaggered around like they were better than you because they were better than you. Yeah. <laughs> and they, they, they used to, they had this way, um, and Melbourne have had that a bit at their peak, where they had this bloody way where every now and again someone would put it on them and you'd go, oh, they're going to get them today. How good is this? They're going to beat. And then they'd pull it out of their ass in the last 10 yeah. minutes and you'd sit there going, they didn't even play well today. That's rubbish. How have they got away with this again? But they'd somehow, one of their, you know, one of those great players would just jag it. It wasn't this game, obviously, but there's just yeah. games where they jag it out of their backside at 10 all. And before you know it, you've lost 14-10. I remember we played them in Brisbane not long after this one season. It was around this era where we were leading for nearly 70 of the minutes and you're going, yeah, here we go. And they just do it again to you, just yeah. every time. It's and, quite the, you know, they the lose. Blue. and uh. Yeah, if, if you listen, younger viewers, uh, younger listeners, think about, think about the way Melbourne is, even now, but think about how, what it was mm. like playing Melbourne. You know, oh, you know this is going to be ugly or this is going to be like, if it's going to take a miracle to win today. Um, that's mm. that's what it was like, the, the, the Broncos at this time. Um, and probably worse because they had even more, you know, yeah. guys in the, even, even that Melbourne side, and this is what we come to, that this side wouldn't be possible now. Even that great Melbourne side, they were over the cap. They were cheating and they still had, they still had to run Steve Turner and Jake Webster and Kevin Proctor and, or whoever, you know. But mm. this team... They had stars in every position. They had guys mm. of that kind of Cameron Smith, Billy Slater, Cooper Cronk mm. status in the game, just in, in every position on the park. Mm. Yeah. Well, by 2000, they, they replaced their hooker. They end up with Luke Prittis there. So they fill that hole by the next time they win one, they fill, they fill yeah. that hole with Luke Prittis. So like the one hole we identified, and he, he wasn't a bad player anyway, Plath, but by the time that they yeah. roll around to, um, to, to 2000, over this stretch, they actually do run good hookers. They had Kerrod Walters before this, um, before Super League and stuff. So they even, the one hole we found in this one game we've looked at actually wasn't like that was there all the time. No. But no, you're terrifying. exactly right. Yeah. Um, so the only other, the only, look, obviously I'm ignoring stuff. John's Langer, all these people, none of them had particularly huge influence on the game. So I'm not going to talk about no. it much that I wanted to talk about two people because I just think it's important when you look at a game like this, I'm always of the view when you see a really good team. So think East now, and mm. you can watch a game, for example, and you can go, oh, geez, how good's 12 of their players? Like how good's Manu or how good's Radley and all these players. Cause when you're winning every week, every good player looks great. But when you get the one or two games a year that are hard, when you get that when they play Melbourne or in this game when all of these twelve Broncos stars internationals play the other really good team, and then the Knights who've been swaggering through people play the other really good team, you get a little insight into a couple of those guys are the actual ones that stand up. Yeah, because sometimes people are above. Yeah, there might be. I'm not picking this out as true, but like say Manu maybe against Melbourne, he's not the one who does anything in those games and he might be riding a little bit off Kiri or riding a bit off his wing yeah. or whatever. Um, there's always some of them that look good in the easy weeks and they'll always be remembered. But then you think of those one or two games, which ones stood up and I'm just going to identify two players, one from each team. And I've picked them because they're, they're well known, but they're not in the top five when you look at the list of either team um, for the Broncos, it's Tony Carroll. Yeah, hard, he was murdering it? people, murdering yeah. people. And we, it's almost things become a trope and talking about, talking about him like a hitman is a bit cheap now because it's like, if you mention him, no one mentions anything he did other than him being a bodyguard or a hitman for Darren Lockyer late in his career. Yeah. But 
Hit oh, he's me. savage. He's he, genuine. He, oh. just, he just sends a couple of people in this game. Like There were a couple of times Very he just flies up and whack at that. And big blokes mm. too. There's another mm. time where he runs straight at Andrew mm. Johns, um, mm. who drags him, who gets him full on. And um, But he, he, he's just cement. He, he's, yeah. Yeah. He is someone who probably, as time goes on, will become a little bit underrated compared to there'll be yeah. guys who were a lot flashier that probably weren't as good that will be remembered in, in more light. He was one. I just say he was in, in, a te- in a game that was full of names that are bigger than Tony Carroll, good as he was. There's the yeah. Broncos have six players that will be remembered better than him. Easy. Um, he was really, really strong and a big reason in the win. Um, on the other side, uh, Adam McDougall, um, had an outstanding game. And the reason I mention him is because uh, Matt Gidley is one of my favourite players and is very well remembered. Mark Hughes is considered the Knights legend and makes a lot of the best ever teams. Um, Owen Craigie was a teenage superstar and still at about that age then. Um, and, and, you know, the Johns brothers are playing. But one of the players who really stood out in a game where you had to bring to play the best team in the competition and stand out. Adam McDougall was the one, and particularly out of those backs, because you probably think of them all together in a way, like Gidley, yeah. McDougall, yeah. Hughes, they're all thrown up as this generation of players we had. McDougall really stood out in the game. He had an absolute crack and really, and he always did against Wendell, but that wasn't a thing yet. The rivalry stemmed no. from these games. It's, it's funny and, you say that. I, I had the same thought. There's a couple of runs mm. that he makes where he really leaves a dent, and Newcastle mm-hmm. are just completely spinning their wheels for most of the game. Mm but he really leaves a mark in the, in the defense mm. a couple of times, bringing it back. And yeah, no, he yep. was a wonderful yeah, he player, was. the mad dog. He should have, I mean, he did, you know, by the end of this season, he's not part of their team. We, we'll talk about the, what happened to the Knights in 98, but I mean, he, he wasn't in the side by the end of the year. Cause he had so many, you know, he had one of his mm. injury, um, one of his many injuries in his career. I think that it's funny that he's remembered so well, having missed so many games, like it's a mark of how good he was, that he was out mm. for so many, so, so many games. He, like he played, he probably played about 60% of the games that he, he could have uh, and is still remembered as a legend, um, which is a mark of how good he was. Uh, and you're yeah, right. It, it, yeah, it does come out in this game. Uh, anybody else? Uh, no, not really. I was just going to mention very briefly that teenage Danny Baderis, um is brought on at lock forward, plays at lock forward. <laughs> Um, and his biggest contribution is making about four kicks, which is something he never, ever did when he actually played hooker <laughs> his whole career. In fact, that was the one shortcoming in his game. But no, I just thought I'd mention that despite playing Lee Jackson, who, if you'll indulge me, was just stinks as a yes. player and is no good and never was. Um, <laughs> I think they possibly could have had a look at Baderis in hindsight, might have given him a bit more. A He's, uh, Lee Jackson, as I understand it, is now a taxi driver in Hull. And I've always thought mm. that if I was in the area, uh, if mm. I, let me tell you, if I got into a cab and Lee Jackson was driving, uh, mm. I would I would lose my head um, because yeah he was he was you know objectively fairly pug ordinary, but a legendary figure in the night uh, having played in the ninety seven grand final all the same. Um, also, yeah. you know the other thing he's legendary for ninety ninety seven season uh, he, in one of the club games he's sitting on the bench in his tracksuit when he's he hasn't come on yet he's the bench hooker and they pan to him and they, the commentators go Lee Jackson will be hoping to get out on the field and he pulls out a pie with sauce <laughs> on it starts munging into it and then I think Vossi it might be Vossi and he goes oh he's munging into a pie I don't think he will be sent on the field it, 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 mid game he's on the yeah. bench he hasn't come on yet he's supposed to be he's, playing yeah you did. <laughs> Used to get a bit of that. See, again, we're at the precipice. Not late for pies. Yeah, that's true. But we are at the precipice of, of professionalism yeah. in rugby league, right? And it, it's really borne out by um, the Broncos who turn up in these flashy polyester jerseys 
with swishes and soils all over them and all this kind of mm-hmm. stuff. They're sponsored by Nike. They've got blue tacked on numbers on the back, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then the Knights are still in the cotton. Um, mm-hmm. the ground, oversized. Oversized cotton. Kind yeah. of the ground is a bit of a joke. Um, and one of the things which jumps out, and I, I think it might be time to, we, we'll talk about the game a little mm-hmm. bit, but one of the things mm-hmm. that jumps out from the pregame and some of the announcements during the game is <laughs> just what a, like what a, the Broncos are this enormous club backed by mm. very wealthy people with a huge amount of money. They're sponsored by a national carrier, like a national airline. They've got these, you know, big companies sponsoring them. The Knights are such a chook raffle club. Like they just, <laughs> they, some of the things, and it was, it was very heartening to hear that idiot ground announcer they had during this era, mm. who was the most yeah. loud. Now that microphone was turned up so loud and he was such mm. a foghorn and he would never shut up. My old man refused to take me to games because of him. Like it was like, oh, and he mm. would, we would turn up and he'd be like, oh, this goose again. You know, I think Bill Harrigan, correct me if I, but you may not, I don't know if you remember this. I'm fairly sure Bill Harrigan once said, told him to shut up into the, <laughs> into the ref's mic. Like he said, can you get that bloke to shut up in the middle of a game? Cause he was so loud and obnoxious, <laughs> but, yeah. and he had this low kind of drawling voice. Mm. Some of the announcements he makes during this game, uh, particularly early on, I wanted to read some of the sponsors. We've talked about the Broncos being a big club mm. um, with a lot of money. Some of the sponsors uh, that the Knights, the match day sponsors, every pl- so every mm. player mm. Has, a ma- has a sponsor, has their own mm. sponsor, and every time they come on or off, in the unlimited interchange era, mind you, who sponsored the player going off is announced and who sponsored the player going on is announced. I, I really missed that era. I missed that. I went to every home game for when I was one till I was about 20. Um, I didn't miss one apart from an unfortunate suspension in 2001 from mum. And um, in all that time, I didn't miss any apart from that year. And I missed that. I, I was so heartened to hear the stupid sponsors back. I'd yeah. love you to give me some. I, I yeah. will. Uh, Miles Butchery at Ellamore Vale. Mm, yep. um, big, 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 uh, big scene in the meat world. Um, mm. there's a, there's a Charlestown car yard that gets mentioned. Mm. Uh, the general Roberts hotel. Oh yeah. I spent yeah. some time there. Yeah, yeah. I bet you did. And, mm. uh, uh, Owen Craigie brought to you by Paul Perry, Newcastle's leading horse trainer. <laughs> <laughs> he looked like he needed a galloper. He was getting to the way on by this point. Um, <laughs> they're all, yeah. Did you I get just, on Peter Shields? No, I didn't. Chartered accountants. Oh, very good. Pre- yeah, presaging, yeah, classy. presaging yeah. his his later emergence in the corporate world as a real estate agent. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're also sponsored by Parkley Markets uh, and mm. <laughs> Con Constantine. There was always a lot of speculation that Con Constantine would take the Knights over due to his Parkley Markets sponsorship, but also mm. uh, the store. Now I don't know how well you remember the store, but well, yeah, I don't really remember there ever being anything mm. in it. And it no, kind it was of, just an empty building. It was just mm. a really big kind of. Mm. It's just a really big cavernous kind of building in the middle of Newcastle that mm. nobody ever seemed to go to. And shortly after this, it, it became defunct. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of, um, they also, the ground announcer also announces David and Tanya are going to be starting half an hour earlier on at 5.30 on 2HD starting this week. I had that in my notes. I wanted to bring it up to you because I know you're a 
you know, we, we shouldn't spend too much time on Newcastle radio channels, but I, you know, you're particularly not a fan of David and Tanya, who were on until quite recently, and Tanya's still on with someone else yes. um, all this time later. And I just point out, geez, you'd like to think that that was an upswing in ratings. A lot of people that were waking up at 6 to listen to them going, oh, I better get up at 5.30. <laughs> yeah, get the extra half an hour in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I miss that first. That's your just, A material at 5.30, isn't it? Like when you put, plan out your morning on air, you'd be thinking, geez, you'd be cramming all the best stuff in at 5.35. Yeah, but it just it just brought home to me, I, the reason I'm going through all this, yeah. is it just, it just mm. brought home to me what a ramshackle organisation this is compared to, and like, oh, yeah. it's a real mark of the ARL Super League thing. You know, the mm. Brisbane are a very big, flashy club who have mm. built themselves to be a corporate behemoth, you know? Mm. Um, yeah. They're making a fortune. They've got this big legs club, all this kind of stuff. And the Knights are cobbling together sponsorship money from like busted local shops, butchers, mm. car yards, local pubs. Like it's just very it's kind of but like how much could Paul Perry, the Newcastle horse trainer, like those sponsorships must have been a grand each or something, you know? So it's just, yeah, it's just well, the, night, the difference between the, 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 hmm. the kind of cleavage in the game at the time. Yeah, yeah. Well, the Knights were training in the ship containers over the road. They didn't train. Yeah. They didn't have a training gown, and they were training on soccer ovals in the back of ship containers. And I sort of almost guarantee you, Brisbane weren't. Yes. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, the, the funny thing is, it's easy to say that's a time in the game, but as recently as say ten years ago, I think the only person with a third-party sponsorship at the Knights at one point was Alkili Uate, who was sponsored by the Fish and Chip Shop in <laughs> Charlestown couple of scallops after the game yeah well, he looked like he had a few scallops yeah, well, at that point, too. he lost a bit of pace <laughs> too many scallops the last five many, years <laughs> too many trips to the fish and chip shop yeah, yeah. it just I, I i just thought of ball mentioning um i, I forgot so. I, I forgot uh well i didn't forget but i it, it when when they pan the ground at the start of this game and you see how full it is and how charged that is. Everybody's so wound up mm. and fired up. It was those Friday night, particularly Friday nights at Newcastle when the Knights were a really good side and, you know, they, they were full of good players and they were an attacking, exciting team. And you just kind of mm. generally, you, you turn up knowing that something was going to happen, like it was going to be an exciting game and something was going to happen. You would have been terribly wrong on this occasion. But... Mm. It's just there is just a real sense of occasion about it, which I don't think has ever been recovered by the Knights. And I don't think it's ever really, there's not a lot of it in any ground where you turn mm. up and it's like, this is everybody's fight. Like everybody in the crowd is wound up to 11 for this game. Yeah. Look, I had a bit on the crowd too. Exactly right. So I just want to re-emphasize we've covered it, but it's been pouring rain all all day. This is played in a mud bath. People yeah. have been lining up from 2.30. They get 27,000. We had a rickety old grandstand. The hill yeah. is packed. Let me tell you, I've sat on that hill. You can't see anything um, from most spots on that hill. It's atrocious, but they're, they're full. Like it's raining. It's been raining all day. People are just stacked with umbrellas sitting on this hill what to watch this game in the rain. And look, the comment I want to make on it just basically is, I, I don't want to soapbox at you, but, you know, these days it's, yeah. it's become, this crowd really took me back because these days it's very trendy to follow the Knights in a way in Newcastle. Like what's trendy? What I mean by that is it's trendy to show up to a Knights game, right? And you're in a not late 90s, early 2000s jersey and you're like, yeah, Joey, you love to party, you love to beer and all this stuff. Like that's become... What yeah. is there? There's this trendy sort of hip thing to do. Back it's then, kind of like semi. It's kind of this semi-ironic kind of working class cosplay. Mm. 
you know yes it's like yeah, it's like yeah. this working class kind of like it's this kind of like yeah. cultural appropriation of working class people guys well i think that there is a, a bit of that uh, look and i don't I mean i'm not making fun of people for, for going or or for enjoying it but not living and dying by it but they go there and oh yeah joey was a legend and we're having a beer and, and that's it but these people who went in the 90s and i yeah. speak as one, one of them, them yeah. um let me tell you they were foaming, frothing at the mouth, mad bastards. Nearly yes. every single one of them. They were the sorts of people, like, they didn't sit there and go, yeah, Joey was great and he loved a beer. They were the sorts of people, they weren't those sort of people. They were the sort of people that if you sat there and said Alan Langer was better than Andrew Johns or Brett Kamali was better than Andrew Johns, they'd have knocked your teeth out and worn it's a real- necklace. That's <laughs> what they'd done. That, that's, yeah. that, those what? are the people. Like these, They're lining up from 2 o'clock in the afternoon. That, this would have been, the, I, I was there, so this would have been and was, a shocking day. It was freezing cold. It was muddy as all hell. And they're just madly in there going nuts for this game of football. Yeah. It's not like that at Games of Rugby League now. No, it isn't. At any, it's not I don't the same people. No, I don't it's think it's It's not the like same that. people attending. No, it's not. And, and to a certain extent, um, that's possibly, I mean, some of the changes that came about through the Super League War probably precipitated that because a lot of the, mm. um, a lot of the people like that followed clubs who didn't make it. You know, a yeah. lot of the people with that kind of passion for their club, that their club didn't make it out of this couple of years where the competition changed so much. Um, Balmain is, is, is one example of that. North is another. Um, you know, that they, uh, a lot of those people got told basically that they weren't wanted by the game because they were going to chase, um, they were going to chase a kind of a bigger, um, mm. or a, a, a bigger but much shallower kind of market. Uh, middle yes. class. Yeah, the middle, that's right. Um yeah, you're right. And it, it is really noticeable that how charged it is and how, yeah, it's mm. like it's hoiking down rain and mm. it's blowing a gale and the nights get absolutely belted, but the people are, you know, people want to be there. Uh, mm. Yeah, it, it is. Um, I, I had the same thought. Now, it, I, I wanted to mention, we, we'll talk about the game a bit now, I guess, that both sides are six from seven coming into this game. There is a kind of narrative that Brisbane would inevitably win the comp in 1998, but both of them are six from seven coming into this game and they end up finishing level on points at the end of the season. Um, so it was, and it was quite a competitive year, 1998. There were five teams within three points at the top of the table. Um, but the Broncos the week before had beat Norths 60 to six. Mm. Uh, and Norths ended up finishing fifth and had been the preliminary finalist the previous year. Uh, they mm. beat them 60 and the year before. And the year, that's right. Yeah. And Brisbane beat them 60 to 6 with Darren Lockyer kicking 7 from 12. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was going to so mention they, that too. <laughs> yeah, so they've given up 10 points and still won 60 to 6. Um, yeah. yeah. That, <laughs> which I think. Is that a good day or a bad day with the boot if you kick seven goals but missed five? Missed five. <laughs> like, you know, it's quite a lot of goals to kick seven yeah. goals. Yeah, you'd think if you had the flags up seven times, you've had quite a good day. That's right. Um, yeah, but it, it just bears mentioning. I think uh, the game itself is. I I don't propose to dwell on it much at all. Um, the Knights. It's it's a real battle early. They really hurl into each yeah. other. Uh, the Knights get the better of it early. There's a little kick in behind um, from Matthew Johns that Lee Jackson uh, hull taxi falls on. Uh, then they they force two dropouts in a row, and there's a chance that they can skip out to a lead here, and and kind of get on top of this game. And they used to do that a lot during this era of the Knights, that they'd get out early mm. and suddenly be 12, 18, behind, 18 in front in the first 20 minutes. Mm. They're kind of, they're shaping to do that 
uh, Brisbane are stuck in their own half. They're on the 30. They kick long. Mark Hughes picks it up. Nothing really doing. Drops it. They end up running away and scoring. And the Knights are never really back in the game. No, not really. Um, as you said, look, uh, I think just before the Knights, there's a good arm wrestle for about 15 minutes where it's quite tight. And, yep. you know, that's a good testament to to probably some of the Knights players because that Broncos pack's incredible. But Tony Butterfield, who's near the end of his career, and, and Harrigan, who's really struggling, match up to him pretty well. God, he's a good player, go, Tony Butterfield. I just had that. Just, yeah, he is. God, he's good. Doesn't yeah. look out of place playing against Webke, Sivan, Seaver. Not at all. No one no. at Talis. And, and they have, it's sort of, yeah, eventually Newcastle gets the first try and then they do what we often did and just go bang, bang, bang. We've got down there and Brisbane's defence was pretty incredible. I think we would have put 18-24 on a lot of teams and they just kept repelling it. And they repelled good football. I can't emphasise enough that like you couldn't walk away from that and start criticising what Newcastle were doing. They threw a heap at them, a heap. Yeah, and Joey and Maddie threw a heap at them. The centres were giving them a bit of trouble with their feet. You know, people were flying onto the ball. They really almost tried too much in a way like they were really putting it on him and Brisbane just held. And then all of a sudden, as you say, Hughes drops, you know, takes his kick return into traffic. They, they run away and score. And then Brisbane go bang, bang, 12, two penalty goals. And you, you sort of, their second try is lovely by the way, but they, they scored two tries very quickly, take kick a couple of penalty goals and Newcastle really never challenges them again. And I suppose I don't want to dwell too much on that arm wrestle or the start of their comeback other than to say I think there's a couple of sequences I just think really well illustrate what we're talking about with how good their side is. And I think for people listening, will really show what I'm talking about. Um, they bring the ball out of, tra- out of trouble three sets in a row when Newcastle's really getting them, got them on the grind. And the first set, Walters takes the first play and makes a line break. Um, then Darren Smith takes a run. Then Gordon Tallis takes a run. Then Shane Webke takes a run. And then, so that's your first four plays to get you out of trouble and all of a sudden you're on halfway. Then we pin him down there again. Joey pins him down there. Really good bit of play. Lockyer brings it back. Then Saylor brings it off Lockyer on play two. Then Carroll brings it on play three. Then Thorne brings it on play four. Then Talis play five. So in this set, Walter Smith and Webke had touched it the first set. They don't touch it this set, but Lockyer, Saylor, Carroll and Thorne do. A completely different set of Hall of Fame level players do. Then we go to set three and they kick down there and Hancock brings it back on play one. Then Saylor has his second out of two touch. Then Thorne has a touch. Then Sivanasiva, who hasn't had any of those sets yet, has a touch. And then Talis comes in. He's the only one that touches it in every set. So in these sets, there is not two players that do it in a row out of the three or touch it in all three to get them out of trouble. They are so good that in every one of those plays, all of those players are arguably Hall of Fame players. Like the weakest case might be um, Hancock or or Carroll, and they would still have a reasonable case to be in a Hall of Fame. They were very, very excellent players. So you get this... That, that's how good this team was that you try and... There's no... You know, when you play the, the Warriors, you kick away from two of us a Sheck. You play... You know the Roosters. Yeah. You don't kick it near Tedesco. You don't kick it. Ain. You don't kick it to Slade. You don't kick it to Hayne. You can stay away from Ponga. Where are you putting the ball? What side are you trying to pin them on? What are you there's trying no, to do? There's, there's no way out. Yeah, that's there's right. No way. What are you going to do? Put pressure on Alan Langer and Kevin Walters is bringing it back on you. There's just oh, we're going to whack the Chief. Whacked Webke a couple of times, and then Seven Seaver takes the next carry when Chiefs at marker. And then there's yeah. like there's no. How do you? Who do you take out of the game? What are you attempting? There's no. And I think. That, that, that part of the game where we had them going a bit, they held their nerve 
really well and defended really well. And the quality of the players was such that they could just stay calm, keep rolling. And when it turned, they just flicked the switch. Yeah, that, that it is. It's quite, it's quite striking. You just, it's, it's relentless um, all over the park. Uh, the, yeah, it, it's kind of, the Knights, um, they, they really do go from on top to dead within about 20 minutes. The, the, mm-hmm. the Jackson tries in the 18th minute and then they're on top and they're, but they've, at the 20 minute mark, they've had 59% of the ball and they're pushing for another one. But at that point, that's what this game was supposed to be because the Knights are zinging the ball from side to side. They're turning it inside. The ball's flying around everywhere. The Broncos are making these desperate covering tackles that some of their defence on the line for Brisbane is unbelievable. Um, Incredible. Yeah. That against You're right. Against any team, just sort of possibly ever, um, <laughs> they would have scored. Um, yeah. And they don't. And, uh, you know, it's kind of... This is... Um, this is the mark of it. This is what this game was supposed to be. It was supposed to be this big collision between these two great. And then all of a sudden, Mark Hughes drops the ball. Darren Smith runs away to score. And a minute by a minute after half time, it's twenty. It's twenty to six. It's all, it's all over yeah. Red Rover. Um, there's a Darren mm-hmm. Smith try, as I say, where uh, Hughes drops it and they run away. Uh, and then in the twenty eighth minute, Thorn hits Lovely. it up half halfway. Nothing much doing. Uh, mm-hmm. Offloads at the Langer, inside ball to Driscoll, Driscoll to Walters. Walters turns himself around about 270 degrees to give it to Lockyer. Lockyer runs away and scores 12-6. You're kind of thinking, how did this happen? Well, that's the thing with that play is there's probably two things on that. The first one is that the Knights had enough good players to beat a side like Brisbane, but this is why a lot of teams didn't do it, including us, is that you have your go and if you don't nail it, like if you they've got too many, like they could just get you at any point. Yeah. And anyone could could do it. Steve Steve Renoff doesn't do anything in this game. No. And they win by twenty points. Alan Langer is Alfie incredibly Langer quiet. Doesn't do anything. Incredibly yeah. quiet. Doesn't do it. I would I would suggest that he was almost outplayed by the Knights Hearts who lost by twenty points. He's had very little impact on the game. That they this side was so good that Alan Langer could basically do nothing tonight. And yeah. they win. Like, you can't go through a lot of sides. And you don't go through a game now and go, geez, Cameron Smith was ordinary tonight and Melbourne managed to beat the other, like, beat the Roosters. No. Or, you know, the Roosters play the Storm. And, oh, God, Tedesco did absolutely nothing. And so did Kiri. They did were quiet. They don't win then. Yeah. You can't just have that. But the other thing, that try again illustrates this, is that I don't want Brisbane fans to think that we're having a crack at them here because these Not were the rules at the time. They were allowed Not to put this team together. We're admiring the team they have, if anything. But... This is why, like, in a way, this wouldn't happen now, is when Brad Thorne takes a run, right, and gives that offload. So when Jason Talmalolo does that or when Viliami Kikau does that <laughs> and then they throw that pass, it doesn't then go to Alan Langer, to Kevin Walters, to Darren Lockyer. Like, it doesn't... Because no. you're not supposed to have all of them anymore. Like no. You can't... You don't have one of the best forwards in the world pass to the best halfback in the world who finds the best 5'8 in the world if that's the best fullback no. in the world. So if, like, if, if, that's right. Yeah. So Talmalolo, if he does it now, it might eventually end yeah. up at, with Valentine Holmes, but it's got to go yeah. through Clifford and Drinkwater or someone to get there. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. yeah. Um, it's just, it, it, yeah. All, like, the worst player who touched it, apart from one of the forwards who pr- promptly passes it on, Kevin Walters is the worst player yeah. involved in that play. <laughs> it is. It's all and, time, you know, right? and Brisbane, like, and you're right. This is not an attack on Brisbane. This is a, no. you know... We, Having the, the, the strange set of circumstances that allowed this team to come together also allowed some of the some stunning football to be played, you know. Mm. And one of the things that jumps out at me about all of this is that the Knights had this re- reputation for 
chucking it around and scoring tries from all over the park. And it's a bog. It's a terrible thing. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, well, I can understand why they didn't win this game because it's wet and all of this. But the Broncos still managed to play some stunning football, like this try. Um, yep. Yeah, that's it's a, right. it's a remarkable it's a, team. It is important we're not construed that way because, oh, look, we're not fond of Brisbane. We're not going to hide from that. But um, teams... We see teams put together all the time that should win and don't. And from 98 to 2000, they should have won every year and they did it comfortably in two of them. So like credit where it's due, there's, it's easy to say now, well, they should have won with that team. But we, we do see teams that we think should win the comp or be up there that just frankly aren't. We see it all the time. And, yeah. you know, that's we, we saw, we've spoken about some of the Parramatta and Dragon sides that squibbed it in easier seasons. We've spoken, you know, about teams that have looked good and, and, and fallen off. You and I privately talk a lot about the Roosters really squibbed it against the Cowboys a few years ago when the Cowboys made the final to play the Storm, where teams yeah. actually that should be right up there often aren't. And they had three seasons here where they should be winning the comp and they did win it twice. So yeah. it's, it's not, a, not, a, not supposed to be. Not, you still got to win them. And they, they had the team that should win and they did win. And that's good. What about the coaching. next year? The incredible thing about this team is not so much that they won the comp in 98 and 2000, but that they came eighth in 99 and nearly missed the finals. Didn't they lose their first nine games or something to start the year in 99? Yeah, it's between seven and nine. Don't quote me on which, but it's between seven and nine games that they lose in a row. So there's two incredible things. So firstly, is lose that how that team lost seven to nine games in a row without, say, playing a composite Australian side from every other club, which they still might beat because it wouldn't yeah. have had their play. It wouldn't have had Alan yeah. Langer, like <laughs> Kevin yeah. Walters and Lockyer. Um, how they lost to seven is, is beyond me. There's not seven teams or nine teams that can beat them. But then it's again. To lose that many games and make the finals is quite also quite... Because they then won, I think, 10 in a row or something to charge in and yeah. finish eighth. Yes, amazing. Where'd, uh, where'd they go to in the finals? I just can't remember. Did, did they get knocked I out early on? I don't remember. I'll check, I'll, I'll, check, I'll check that out while we're talking here. But they, they, they kick a couple of penalty goals late. So it's 12-6 and then they get a couple of penalties mm. right in front of the post that are just demented. I forgot how much mm. this Newcastle mm-hmm. side had this kind of headless naivety about them. Mm. Well, it's the um, it's what you were talking about before, and the difference between professionalism and chook raffle, sort of back of the pub club, is that Brisbane, uh, the professional way their outfits run and their uniforms and the way their players are is reflected in how they play the game, where they're very polished, they hold their nerve, and they do all this stuff. Newcastle is wonderful but ragged, like they do wonderfully yeah. good things, wonderfully ridiculously stupid, unprofessional <laughs> things, and just a, a mix of. Uh, and like I love them for it, but like the chief one, if that's what you're going to talk about, is just demented. Yeah, you want to run us through it? Yeah. Well, I'm happy to. If I, he he's at marker, well, sorry, he's not at marker. He's not. <laughs> they're playing. Play, <laughs> Brisbane are playing the ball in front of the posts. And the chief has made the tackle and has got up and is kind of standing facing where the marker should be, if that makes sense. Mm. Like he's standing to the left of the, the ruck, mm. sort of not square, not even near square, kind of standing next, next to, to the, the marker, the ready to hold hands next, to him. Yeah. Next, yeah, basically, but facing that way. And then mm. the, the Broncos come from, run from dummy half, spotting him, and he kind of bends his body to tackle to get in the way of the guy running the ball, but mm. then collapses to the ground, holding his hands up in the way that players do when they don't want to get penalised, saying he's not involved. <laughs> yeah. After Until, stopping the guy running. Yeah. So no, 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 yeah, no I, I'm not doing anything. Yeah. And they kick a goal from in front and then it's 14-6. And there's another one. Brett Grogan just strips the ball 
for no reason mm. when there's two in the tackle, right in front of the post, 16-6. It was uh, Troy Fletcher, but yeah, easy mistake. But um, it, it nonetheless, yeah. it, it is quite a bizarre thing to happen. Yeah, and then, at, and so just after halftime, um, mm. Tony Butterfield drops it in the first set of the half. Uh, there's, a bomb mm. from, there's a bomb from Langer a few plays later. Lockyer jumps above McDougal to score, and then it's, suddenly it's 20-6, to six and, and the game has completely changed in, in less than 20 minutes. Um, and nothing much happens after that, it should be noted. Like, in the course of the game, there's not a huge amount no. of incident. Uh, the Broncos no. score in the 74th minute through Talis. A really nice try. There's a break from Ben Walker and mm. a couple of inside passes to put Talis over. But the Knights don't really fire any shots. They don't really look like scoring. They push a few points no. and stuff, but not as, you know... Um, there's only a few things I think I'd mention, one of which is that Wayne Bennett takes Alan Langer off at 20 to 6 with 14 minutes left. Yeah. So this is quite unusual. Like, the score's not that high. Like, 20 no. to 6 playing against the Johns brothers. Um, I mean, it looks good. In, but can you, like, that would just never happen now. It's not a particularly... But it's funny, younger people probably won't remember that scores back then, as much as there were blowouts, comebacks were unusual. Big scores weren't unusual, but come back, big comebacks were. Like you didn't yeah, see a really lot of... Yeah, really roaring back from um, 20 nil and stuff yep. like that. Yeah. You'd see stuff... When we watch some of these games, you'll see commentators writing the game off at like 10 points with eight to go or something. And like teams yeah. nowadays have come back from 16 and seven minutes and all sorts of weird stuff happens that for whatever reason... I don't really have a reason for it, but it just... I mean, it's just like 2020 cricket where they start realising they can hit a lot of sixes, so they do it in test cricket. Maybe this one day they start to realise we can actually throw the ball around and score. So let's do I don't know. But it was almost like back then there was this inevitability about being behind. And, and, and in this, like, you would just never see someone take Alan Langer off the field at 20 to six against the team coming second. No, not now. 15, no. 14 minutes left. No. And, yeah, it's bizarre. But, I mean, it's fine. They, they go on to win. But we were one try away from, you know, once Newcastle scores, they're the sort of club that can, sort of do it again. Yeah, it's, it's, just, um, it's probably a bit of a mark of how the game felt as well at the time. That, yeah. You know, that they were yeah. they were really spinning their wheels. They weren't doing a lot. But yeah, um, it's it's funny. I, I noticed that as well. Um, it's not bad going when you can take Alfie off with 15 to go uh, against a um, team who end up being level on points with you at the end of the season. And yeah. are at this point. So it's not like yeah. you didn't know. Yeah, that's um, right. There's probably only two other things I wanted to mention. They're not strictly game related, but if you'll indulge me. Of course. Um, I've got a couple, but yeah. Yeah, I suspect one of the would one of them by any chance be the six pm Sunday uh, <laughs> live <laughs> live web the ad for the six pm Sunday live web chat with Peter Sterling on the channel. Yes, Nine that was on my list. Yes, what's doing? Look, I don't know. I I have no recollection of this, but I dare say that if I that you would have been because I didn't have the like, internet. No, well, I did. We didn't have the internet at this point. That's I didn't right. have the internet. Did you this not have it dial up? No, yes, I didn't have so the this internet. This is nineteen ninety eight. No, yeah. we didn't get the internet until about five years ago in Cessnock. But um, the, <laughs> the, he, he um, yeah, but they, Vossi, they put up a graphic on the screen and Vossi says, don't forget six o'clock Sunday night, uh, a live web chat with Peter Sterling, which I assume was text chat, right? Like it was kind of, you'd, you'd text in, que- like you'd, when I say text, like you'd type in questions into mm. some kind of, on the, some website that was on 9MSN and uh, Sterling would give you some dribbling answer, I, I guess. Um, well, I'd love I mean, to see. I'd love to get some record of that, of what 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 went on on that chat line. Well, there's a couple of things. Firstly, I absolutely would have been honoured if I had the internet. I want to make oh, very yeah. clear. And yes. they said the fat man the week before. Chat with the fat man was the week before. Jeez, so, that would have been on. Um, yeah, that, I think there've been a lot of good questions asked, but. Um, <laughs> You know, like maybe that Piers Ackerman asking the fat man a few questions. But, but um, 
Yeah, no, this, I just want to make very clear. The funny thing about this is that it was dial-up error. And once we did get the internet, which was fair, I didn't have the internet till the 2000s, but once you had it, you had to dial in and it went to that, you had to turn your phone off, unplug the phone. And yeah. then you, you put it on, it goes, and waits to call up. And then you get this really dribbling, like two page, like two minutes to get a web page up. Yeah, terrible. So speed. I mean, yeah. the internet's not fast in Australia now, just that until was, you get the MBN. But it was appalling. terrible then. And so can you imagine sitting at home at six o'clock on Sunday, right? And having oh, seen yeah. this, you're like, I've got to take my phone off so no one can call me. And I'm going to dial yeah. up. I'm going to spend a few minutes getting on the MSN site so I can type in a text question to Peter Sterling that he may or may not. Yeah. So answer. I can type in, do you think Parra can go yeah. all the way this year? You know, that kind of thing, yeah. which is what the question is. the half that curse over. Yeah. Well, it just would have been questions like that. You know, do you think, you know, do you think the, yeah. the, the Knights can win it after their loss on Friday night? That kind of, like it would have just been, mm. yeah. Um, mm. No, I thought that was very good. It yeah. was. Um, my only other one, I'll let you run me through anything you noticed, but did you hear the mass speculation of Darren Smith switching codes? I did hear that. I also heard a thing about Wendell reconsidering mm. his move to England. Before the courts. I don't remember that yeah. at all. No, I got no memory I didn't get time to look into it today, but I'd like to if we can. Yeah. Um, but wouldn't Darren Smith have been a shot in the arm for the, uh, in the Code Wars? <laughs> for the Wallabies. <laughs> Darren, yeah, Darren Smith at the... Inside Centre. Yeah. That's a stunning call. I did notice that. I don't know why. Um, I don't know why they targeted him in particular. He was never, he was a good player, Darren Smith, but I don't remember mm. him. I don't, he, he wasn't a particularly flashy or glamorous player. He wouldn't have really Whoa. been a huge blow for, for, for well, the... If you look at who they targeted, they targeted, they took, Matt Rogers, uh, Wendell Saylor, Lottie Takiri. Sort of years later, they go after uh, Marika Korobiti. Uh, they've just signed Vunavalu. They've signed Cooper Vuna. They've signed these guys. It's sort of Darren Smith does seem a bit off centre for their signing of strike league backs, given that he was a sort of centre come back rower that was fairly dependable and strong in defence and did a job. It's a, yeah, it, it's a. Geez, you'd like to think there'd be a lot of people burning Broncos jerseys or Bulldogs jerseys or that sort of thing. He did sign with the Crushers and Renegs, so he's sort of... They'd be burning jerseys as well. Well, I know I will, but he was complicit in the the demise. So Wendell, here you go. This is from Wendell Saylor's Wikipedia. Uh, They beat Canterbury 38-12 in the 98 Grand Final. He then spent the Australian summer in England playing rugby union for Leeds Tykes, scoring 15 tries in 13 games. He also appeared in two of the Leeds Rhinos trial games, including the Festive Challenge on Boxing Day 1998. <laughs> playing, playing Halifax, he had a torrid time until the closing stages of the game when he inspired Leeds to grab a draw. Jesus, I have no memory of any of this. It seems no, like it would be very big bizarre. news if it was now, wouldn't it? Absolutely. Like, happened he went now. to Sailor. Like, he was sort of... He would have been mm. in the test side at this point. Yeah. Oh, he's, um, yeah, he's been in the test side for years, yeah. Hey, speaking of things that you forget from the time... There's a lot of this match is um, is played very shortly after, like a week after the famous Anzac Day Test, where mm. Darren Lockyer came on for Robbie O mm-hmm. with 15 to go mm. and completely mm. botched it and cost them the game, like slipped over and um, mm. all this kind of thing and botched the match. He does this in the, the Lee Jackson try is because Darren Lockyer completely harbour bridges the ball mm. and like completely misses it at fullback. There's just like. And like Sterlow's quite critical of him. There's just a real hint at this point that like Darren Lockyer, if he was playing today, could have been about mm. two or three more mistakes like that away from being written off as a calamity player. 
Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Like he just Funny, had this, he was really criticised. He, he had to come on for o Davis, cost him the, the like had his real shocking game on debut. Has just done it again here. There would have been this real sort of then Ben Hunt narrative of being, yeah. like, you know, Ben Hunt drops the ball in the grand final, then does some bad things, and all of a sudden Ben Hunt's a joke. Yeah. Like you, you could have been at that with the media hype not far, especially in the team that didn't win every week. If you had done it and didn't go to a team that was just going to win, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Every um, game, you know, if, funny, you, if you were trying to carry someone else, yeah, because he's um, he doesn't accord it, with anything we remember of him now. I don't remember him making oh, a single mistake in the rest of his career. <laughs> I, I enjoyed watching him play fullback again. I, I've been one of those guys that, like, it's I, you know, it's probably not popular with Broncos fans and stuff, but I think sometimes he's a bit mythologized at six. Like, I, th- I don't necessarily, as good as he was, think he was any better than, say, Fitler or, or, or say, Day. Like, he was at that level, an all time great, but sometimes they make out like he was the best ever in that spot. And I don't necessarily no, believe no. that, but well, I was, was I was actually, uh, yeah, yeah, like, he, he's still, I, even having seen Slater and Tedesco and stuff, I still think of him at the absolute, I think of him as an all time great 5'8 and possibly the best fullback I ever saw. Um, I, I loved him there. He was such a phenomenal, phenomenal player. It's a real shame that they, they, they moved him. I know why they did, but God, he was good. Now, <clears throat> a couple of important announcements from the ground announcer during the course of this game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bill, yeah, Tren- yeah, Bill Trenshaw from Salamander Bay will be doing the kick for cash. Now, <laughs> now I just have to, at halftime, I just have to say, this is a mark of how loud and boorish this ground announcer was that you could hear it on the telecast, every word he said. Yeah. Easily. Yeah, like quite a... Bill Trenshaw mm. from Salamander Bay will be doing the kick for cash. I'd love to know how he went in the driving rain. Uh, well, can you tell us how you went in the kick for cash while we got the opportunity? Uh, I did the kick for cash in about 2000 and, or I think it was during the Wayne era, about 2012 maybe, uh, mm. in a game that the Knights won 22 nil against Manly. Uh, I uh, did the kick for cash and uh, kicked it from 10 out, kicked it from 20 out, I think, uh, and hit the crossbar from 30 out. Yeah. Jeez. No, sorry, not the crossbar. The the post. I hit the upright. It was it was a it was a good strike, but it wasn't straight. <laughs> what could it be, you know? I know. How do you think your life would be different today? Like if you had of um, had a hit them all. Well, I, we wouldn't be friends anymore because I, you would have I, the yeah. minute the minute we I, I would have told you about it every day until you couldn't speak to me anymore. But uh, yeah, yeah well, it's a shame it, too. It was a five hundred dollar Westfield voucher if you won, which would have been nice. Yeah, anyway. it would it would have crushed me actually because it's um it, you would have lived out my dream because I sat I never got the chance but I sat on the stand every week at every game wondering how I would go if given yeah. the opportunity. It was a Facebook thing. I, I won it mm. on. I got selected through some busted facebook competition mm. with westfield or something but yeah it, in the jacket like jeans boots like not football boots, mm. like like kind of leather boots you didn't uh, take your boots you didn't no, take, I didn't take boots. my boots i, I should have um jacket and scarf and still just kind of <laughs> ambled up yeah anyway um so that was good it was good to hear about the key for cash and another thing from this is a real throwback to the pre-mobile phone era there are a couple of wonderfully quirky one of them is um there's a there's a tan colored ford telstar You've left your lights on. If you've got a tent in the, in the club car park, which was good, you don't hear that anymore. Um, no. But there was a pre-mobile phone thing that every every so often you would hear someone has. Please, uh, if you're in the ground, Jamie Eccles of Carrington, could you please go to the main gate? Jamie Eccles of Carrington, please mm. go to the main gate. Because there's no mobile phones at this, or very few mobile yeah. phones at this point. So they would do this to someone like this. Presumably, someone from home has rung the club. Like has rung mm. the ground to put this announcement over. I was at a game once, Newcastle and Melbourne, the year after this, 
and they announced such and such, please go to the main gate. Your wife is in labour. Here's a question for you. Here's a question for you. Hit me. Andrew, John, Andrew John's era, we're up 12, 10, 10 minutes to go and you get to call the wife's in labour or something. What are you doing? Uh, I'm sticking. I'm staying put. Uh, I, <laughs> people, yeah, this is, a, this is the greatest argument for contraception I've ever heard, this announcement. Because yeah. let me tell you, I remember that game. That, that, that night, Andrew John scored a double and the Knights and kicked a field goal with two minutes to go to win 27-26 over Melbourne. Um, and it, I, like, they could have put anything over the PA. They could have said your house is on fire and I'm staying where I am. Um, yeah. 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 It's a, it's a, it's a funny one. Cause it, I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to mention them. They called for a series of people at different points to go to the main gate. And I just keep thinking, I'm glad you brought up labor. Cause I was going to ask you as a hypothetical, what on earth would make you leave? Cause I'm sitting there thinking, well, they need to tell me what it is because otherwise I'm like, I'm not going anywhere. Stuff, I'm not going anywhere. No. <laughs> not going to the main mind, gate in the middle of football. And there's 27,000 yeah. people there. If you're up on the hill, yeah. you're knackered. Like yeah. you can't be walking all the way around the ground and then going, yeah. the main gate's on the far side. Yeah, anyway. Or losing I, your spot on the hill. Not you'd lose your that, spot on the hill. Yeah. That's right. yeah. No, no thanks. No, no thanks at all. They were playing. They were also playing the Newcastle chant through the speakers, which I didn't care for. Mm. I wanted to talk to you about that. Um, I have now they very rarely ever did that. Uh, so that became a thing in the late 2000s, well after Joey, possibly in the Smith era or Wayne era, they started playing canned Newcastle chants, which I uh, didn't think they'd done before and went really badly with the crowd. One of the really endearing things about Newcastle crowds, even, even by that point when they were a bit less munted was the fact that nobody ever took up the chant when it was played by the announcer they always no. ignored it and they also the next announcer because you say that guy was boorish i loved him because he was loud and mad this this the next one was a real that like, turn up the professional yeah, one was, they got yeah, later and he used to go yeah. we get the kickoff and he'd just go we need to hear you newcastle and nobody would would cheer no, or give it, it and then nobody yeah. would do the can thing and i was they never used to do this in the 90s. This must have been, they won the grand final and I reckon they tried to cash in, the club tried to cash in on, on all that sort of stuff by playing it. And yeah. it's no good, but there's no. one thing about it I need to tell you because it, yeah. it plays into one of my favourite things about the Knights as an unprofessional outfit. So yes. as you know, I have the 97 grand final on tape, like Gary Harley calling yes. the game. So at the start of that CD, they play the Go Hard Go Nights theme song. And at the end of it, there's a second song that they sometimes used to play as well. Yeah. And the Knights <laughs> for, for 20 years, when they played the play out song, were playing it off that CD. And I know that because the track ends and it starts calling the 97 grand final. Oh, so you get to the end of the song and the Knights are running on. And instead of the song ending and that's it, it starts going, they run out onto a state, like onto the city ah, yeah, stadium. Yeah, yeah. And, and what I would have put to you is that they are not playing a, just a random can Newcastle chant. They're playing that CD. They're playing ah. that CD because they play the intro song. So they've gone to the 97 grand final <laughs> and they've found, they've got parts of the chant that's in the song and on the track and the backing track and played it through the speakers. And that's a wonderful ball. bit of investing yeah. in journalism, Gazzy. This is mm. fantastic. Well, I, I just always loved the fact that these idiots at the club were playing yes. stupid CD through the speakers. Like this is an era where you, you know, they started to talk about live entertainment and E squared comes in 10 years later under Dave Smith. And at this point, entertainment squared. And at this point we've got this like cooked CD. Yeah, uh, wonderful CD. Just playing yeah. it through the speakers, various tracks. I was very fond of Dave Smith's kind of mad advocacy for uh, mm. jumping castles as the as the kind of mm. panacea to all problems in rugby league. Anyway, yeah. um, 
one more thing from this, uh, two more things from this year. One, wasn't mm. it good to see Craig Bellamy running the water? Did you see this? I missed that. Yeah, missed so it. Craig Bellamy was yeah. running the water. When Lockyer kicks the goal mm. uh, for the try just after half time, it's, it's Craig Bellamy mm. kind of with his Craig Bellamy head on, um, sort of very earnestly giving him instructions. I don't know what he was saying, mm. 20 to 6 up. But um, the other thing, did you get onto the progress scores from the other grounds? Now, this, sure is, fr- this is Friday night football. Mm on Channel 9 at 8.30 after Burke's Backyard, of course. But mm. the there were three games going on on Friday night. Camp Melbourne were playing West, some were 30 to 4 in front, thanks very much, uh, and the Raiders playing Balmain. I don't remember there ever being three games going on on Friday night before. Well, the reason you don't remember it is because we lived in this pinhead era where you could basically nobody had Fox, you know, normal people yeah. didn't have Fox. We never did. So we only saw the Channel 9 game. So they probably, for all you know, they always were. Like, I don't remember it because... But there were I've twenty teams, the, right? So there were ten games yeah, every week. They cram games in, and it's just—it's yeah. just like I, I like seriously. Like I don't want to—I don't want to look back. Like you know, they say it's like bad to look back and moralise at your grandfather. Look back at nineteen fifties values and judge those people can be hard. Sure, there's different values in a different time. Can I put it to you that by? By 1998, they could have worked out that it was not a good idea to cannibalise their own viewership with having the games on at the same time. Like the people that wanted to watch the Broncos Knights game very well may have been interest, interested enough in football to watch the Raiders game. Yes, like, is that is that? We're not talking Again, about the 1700s the here. But what are, like, Channel that, Nine. Yeah. I hate Channel Nine with all my passion of being. They've got no idea about broadcasting. They're run by Pelicans. Kerry Packer is an idiot, and they've <laughs> just had no idea. They could have done so much more with rugby league other than show it an hour delayed with four other games on at the same time after Burke's backyard. It's just ridiculous. Yeah, oh, it's mad. And and the thing is that that like now the the rugby league schedule is like wildly contorted to make sure that no games are on at the same time so that you can plausibly watch every game either on Fred Ware or on Fox. But in this era, that, that never existed. You would get games, you'd get multiple three o'clock Sunday games and multiple three o'clock Saturday games and all this kind of stuff. And evidently multiple Friday night games. It's just incredible that it took them this long to work out that you could plausibly televise every game and that people would watch them. I just don't like why don't they get that when they're running TV stations? Because the whole point of showing yeah. the game on TV is for advertising. But this so, is what they do now, right? So that the why? Yeah, yeah. And the game now, twenty years after this, it is mm. all about TV and making mm. sure that every that you can watch every game and making sure that every game is on at a discreet time so that there's mm. no double up and and every and you can if you're enough of enough of a goose, you can sit through the whole weekend mm. and watch every game. Uh, yeah, which I've proudly done more times than I care to admit. Likewise, yeah. Um, but yeah, they just piled them up. They just put them on. Um, it's amazing that it took them this long to work that out. Mm. Given well, how, imagine being yeah. Fox, right? Imagine being Fox and showing the Raiders game and being like, "Geez, I'm glad we've paid to put this game on while first is playing second in the Super Bowl on Channel Nine. I bet there's yeah. some great viewing numbers if that was on pay TV. If I'd say on. they were thrilled. Yeah. I, I bet they would what, have really got a way, big audience. I tell you what, just just as an aside, mm. ten games a weekend would have really sorted the men from the boys as far as couch potatoes go. Like I yeah. think mm. you know, I know we've you and I have both done a fair few eight in a row, done the full weekend. Mm. I think yeah. there would have been a lot of uh relationships put under stress, mm. uh, diets put under stress. Uh, <laughs> families, housemates, all this kind of thing really put out by then adding another two games of football on top of that. Yeah. Mm. 
Um, and doing especially it, now think, when you can watch them on your phone and stuff you could be out watching it on the phone you get all 10 in in various ways now that's it You'd really yeah. work it in yeah yeah you could really just 10 games a weekend mm. you don't have much time to do much else um, <laughs> sounds good doesn't it it's not bad no, i'm not yeah. <laughs> not, opposed, not opposed to it at all yeah. um, speaking my language yeah I, I don't say it as a cautionary thing at all uh, i don't think there's anything else i wanted to mention from the game other than the big announcement of jason allen's debut which i was very keen on uh, I think mm. Jason Allen ended up playing about half a dozen first grade games. Um, yeah, yeah. I, it is a it is a fairly uninteresting match. The the Broncos, are, you know, they get on top, they stay there. Um, there's a bloke at the end with his shirt off singing a tinny um, in the mm. pouring rain, which I thought was good. Um, yeah. Channel Nine then announced they they start desperately padding at the end of this game because nothing's happening. Mm. They're just kind of both sides just rucking it up. Vossi in particular sort of starts desperately trying to find something to say. Um, he says there's plenty of sport to come. Uh, at 11 p.m., the Commonwealth Games swimming trials are on. Which, yeah. <laughs> Remember they used to show the swimming trials all the time? I did. Yeah. I, this is possibly why Rabs wasn't calling the game. He was down in Melbourne yeah. doing, this, doing the Com Games trials. See if, Elka, think so. see if Elka Graham can post a, a qualifying time. Um, yeah, boom. <laughs> that's what people want. Uh, Dan Kowalski could hold off an, an emerging green hacker or something in, like that. Indeed. Uh, it's um, it, Wayne, it, it, it yeah. is. You're you right about the game. I think the reason it was important to watch it. I am glad. But it just is illustrative of how good Brisbane were and the differences in the game that time with how clubs were run. Like they're they're playing a team that Newcastle are not only the ARL premiers. They do finish equal first, and um, they yeah. have we have we, we get you know we don't make much run in the finals. And and Joey is really badly injured, and we have a lot of injuries. So, but we feasibly like you know they finished equal first. And in other circumstances, probably would have gone deep in the finals, and they really professionally handled them. And that is an illustrative and important look, I think, at that era for sure. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, what happens after this? Uh, by the way, yeah. What happens after this? Uh, the Knights then, after this loss, win six in a row. Uh, mm. They end up finishing equal first and then lose uh, to Eastern Suburbs, or well, to Sydney City in the first uh, week of the semis from, from 15 nil up at halftime. Uh, mm. A horrible game, which I happen to be at. It's one of the seven, I think, seven finals losses to the Roosters that I've been present at. The only one I didn't go to was the 14-6 victory uh, in 2001. Uh, the other thing, they then lose the week after having been up again mm. by a million against Canterbury and mm. losing extra time. Uh, the Broncos, by contrast, and, and, and when you look, a few people have said to me that that night side, by the end of that year, were completely busted. You've got Robbie O's mm. suspended. Um, you've got, I think by the end of the year, McDougal's out. The Chief has kind of, has been out for most of the year. They've got a few other injuries all over the park. And, you can see that in the fact that they keep winning at the end of the year, but they're having really scratchy. There are a couple of really mm. scratchy wins over the Gold Coast and Adelaide and stuff. They have this really easy run in and make it look mm. quite difficult. Um, so it's not a huge surprise that they ended up falling mm. apart in the finals. Uh, the Broncos, they have their typical kind of origin lull. They lost four from five after this game. Mm. Is there any talk of baby Broncos? Around I, yeah, the, the go, Robert Tanielu style. Um, yeah. Who do you think of when you think baby Broncos? I, I I often I always think of the I always think of Bellamy coaching them mainly. Uh, actually, yeah. I always That's think of Robert Tanielu. Right. Yeah, good. Scored under the posts. Yeah, more people should absolutely because yeah. he didn't play much after that. Uh, but the Broncos mm. from then then won 10, 10 out of eleven. The other one was a draw mm. to finish the season. Lost in the first week of the finals to Parramatta, fifteen ten. <laughs> 
It's always got them a lot, Parramatta, Brian. It's it. always got them, except in any game of import. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Right. He got uh, them a lot, didn't he? But they just, yeah, he did, yeah. But they just steamrolled through the semis: thirty to six mm. over Melbourne, forty to six, forty-six to eighteen over East, and then thirty-eight twelve over Canterbury in the mm. grand final. Um, so it was a bit of a this this game. It's funny mm. that after this game, the Knights really went on a run, but it was Brisbane who ended up winning the comp. Uh, but this it's leads um, us to our conversation about, you know, what was the better comp in 97 and what would have happened if mm. the Knights had stayed fit and they'd played each other in a 98 grand mm. final to finally settle this. You have, I believe, some thoughts. Yeah, look, I do. And I, it's important we look at this objectively because I mean, we both know we go for Newcastle. So I'm going to try really hard to do a job on... I'm going to throw a lot of statistics at you that I think debunk some of the common... You know what you call pub chat? Sure. Like, you know, like... The Knights won half a comp or, you know, yeah, uh, they, they're this and that, that sort of pub chat. So what I'm going to do is try and have a proper look without influencing anyone at what I think are some objective facts that go to both sides. I'll let you respond with anything you'd like to add and, and then give you a bit of my thoughts just sure. on the competitions in general. And when we've done that, I'll have a little bit of look at what at the Knights specifically versus the Broncos. Far so, away. All right. So what, what I've decided to do is that the, the common thought is that Super League was a better, had all the good teams or the Knights didn't play the good teams. That gets thrown up a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just, what I'm going to do is the only thing we can do. The last season isn't always a perfect look at the next season, but what can we do? There was two competitions. We can't, they didn't play each other. So I'm going to look at the 96 season and tell you what sides fell where for starters. So um, the ARL competition in 1997 has five of the eight top eight teams from 1996, five out of eight. And that doesn't include Newcastle who didn't make it, who ended up winning yeah. it. So the yeah. Knights who finished ninth have to play against five of the top eight from the year before. Mm-hmm. Um, those sides, which also of interest, include the Premiers, Manly. Mm-hmm. It includes the grand final losers, the Dragons, and it includes the preliminary finalist in the Bears. So... To win the competition, they had to beat the 96 preliminary final side and the two grand finalists um, and five of the top eight. Mm-hmm. The Broncos, when they went to the Super League, had to had they finished third, uh, second or third, I think third in 96. But anyway, second or third, doesn't really matter which. Um, they're up there. They go to the Super League and they these are the teams that they had to play against. They had to play against the team that came fifth in the ARL. Mm-hmm. The team that came sixth in the ARL in '96, the team that came tenth, eleventh, fifteenth, sixteenth, and seventeenth. So they went to a competition where they were one of the best sides in the ARL in '96, but they did not make the grand final. They did not win the competition, and they had to go to a competition where the best team they had to play against finished fifth the year before. And in a twenty-team competition, only two teams that they went with. It was a twenty-team comp. They went to a 10-team comp. Only two of them finished in the top 10. They had 5th, 6th, 10th, 11th, 15th, 16th, 17th. Went with yeah. them across the border. Um, the, I, I want to try and be fair because people are going to think I'm spinning that. But those facts, I'm not, I'm not spinning anything. Uh, the ARL did have the worst three sides. They had the Crushers, South and the Chargers finished in, in 96, finished 20th to 18th. But um, if I'm going to be fair about it, the Reds and the Cowboys finished one point in front of the in front mm. of the Chargers and South. So I mean, much yeah. of a muchness. They were all they all stunk, and I don't think there was much of a degree of difference between. And those that's sides. a symptom of the that's a symptom of the comp having twenty teams in it. Right, it was absurd. There's mm. just a lot of bad yeah. sides. 
Absolutely. So I do want to want to point out firstly that Newcastle had to essentially get past every side that made a run in 1996 to make yeah. this run. So I, I think um, firstly get past sides uh, that Brisbane couldn't get past to make the night to try and make the 96 yep. grand final. Yep, that's exactly right. Um, if you look at the Super League itself, um, some objective facts are that it was an incredibly distorted and weak competition. Um, the top five in their comp includes 10th and 15th from the ARL the year before. So the 10-team comp, the top five is the finals. And in that top five includes the 10th and 15th best ARL sides from 1996. Which ones um, are they? What, Penrith and someone? Yeah, Penrith and... Um, you were hoping I wouldn't Penrith ask you that, weren't you? Canterbury, Penrith and Canterbury, yeah. maybe. Did Canterbury miss the finals in 96? Yeah. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, they did. I think it's Penrith and Canterbury. So, and the way that competition shakes out is that every team that existed before 1995, so 1995, a couple of new teams were brought in, four new teams were brought in. Um, so bef- the way the Super League shook out is that the top five was every established club that had already existed. It went Brisbane, Cronulla, the Raiders, the Dogs and the Panthers. So all the clubs that were real and had history walked into this comp and just beat up on these absolute stench sides that Super League (laughs) just put in there with no players. And I mean that. They they put Mm. in, it then finished the Mariners, who were new, the Warriors, who were in, had been in the comp for two seasons. The Reds, who'd been in the comp for two seasons. The Rams, who were new. And the Cowboys, who had been in the comp for two seasons. So they put all these shiny new products in there. Their yeah. rosters were absolute gut rot. <laughs> and they built this wonderful team in the Broncos, who I'll get to, who were an incredible football side. They had no one to play against. Canberra were on the downswing. Canberra didn't have a good 96. They were in the bottom of the finals um, and didn't make a, really much of a run. They, Canberra don't do anything in the Super League finals. They don't do anything when the ARL starts. They were still very mythologised, but they were on the downswing quite a lot and they never did anything again from from after 95 when they went deep in the finals. Um, The other sides were Cronulla were a a middle towards the top of the ARL. They were a good side. And everyone else was a team that was an absolute non-factor in the ARL the year before or didn't exist. So, again, I'm not trying to put this across, but what I want to say is... Brisbane were a really excellent team and Newcastle didn't have to beat them, but Newcastle really did actually have to play teams that objectively with the only data we can look at were better than what the Broncos had to play. Um, If you want a little illustration of that for the grand final in the super league grand final Brisbane, and we've read through the side they had. Mm. Okay. So I want you to add in Anthony Mundine. They had all those players plus Anthony Mundine and, um, Lazo. Maybe someone else, but Lazo. Lazo was injured, but they should have yeah, had Lazo. Yeah, right. um, yeah. But yeah, they, they had Lazo. They didn't have him in the grand final. But you add in Anthony Mundine and take out nobody. Um, and then you look at who they played in the grand final. So they, Alan Langer and Walters ran up against Mitch Healy and Paul Green in the Super League grand final. That's yeah. the second best team in the competition. Yeah. The Knights ran into Jeff Tuvey and Cliff Lyons with yeah. Craig Field also swatting through the halves. They, uh, again, I, I really not try, I'm not going to diminish anything here. I, I hope that people can see that I'm actually trying to give some statistics to say, and I'll get onto something in a minute about how good Brisbane were, and yeah. you're welcome to comment before I do that, because I'll get to the Newcastle-Brisbane question in a moment. But what I want to put across is, I think it is an absolute myth that Super League was the better comp or that the ARL was not a strong competition. I think both competitions were significantly weakened by what happened. Everyone bears the consequences of that. But the, it's very difficult to, to have a run where Newcastle has to play against the grand finalists, the premiers, 
the preliminary finalist, five of the top eight sides from the year before, and Brisbane runs into the Adelaide Rams and suggests somehow that it's Newcastle weren't fed income, I think. No, and I think what know, comes out of this, and yeah. I, I looked a bit at 98 from a similar angle. Brisbane, mm. Brisbane and Newcastle finished first and second. Um, mm-hmm. Melbourne is third, which is a kind of, it is broadly a Super League team, but it didn't exist in Super League. It's a much stronger team. It's a team. composite side. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's, it's, a, it's, it's a stronger team. Yeah. It's a stronger team than anything Brisbane had to face mm. in, in Super League in 97. Yeah. Uh, and then fourth, fifth, and sixth are all ARL sides, Parramatta, Norths, and Easts. Uh, Canberra, mm. who are the next... So of the Super League teams, you've got Brisbane who finish equal top. Mm. The next best Super League team in 1998 is the Raiders who finish seventh. Mm. Uh, Cronulla, who made the grand final in Super League, finish 11th. Uh, and then Penrith, Auckland, North Queensland and Adelaide finish 14th, 15th, 16th, 17th. Um, mm. So, yeah, it's, you, I don't think what comes out of this is that the ARL is wildly stronger than the Super League. I think it just comes out no. that, that this idea that Super League was a really strong comp and the ARL was really weak is bunkum. And mm. the, well, I think what comes out of it basically is that the ARL probably on balance had stronger teams but didn't have Brisbane. Yeah, uh, that's exactly right. I think that's very well put. Um, and, and that's right. It's, it's easy to say, well, Newcastle didn't do much in the finals. But circ- when you get to finals, circumstances always come into it. Like the Bulldogs made it, won a grand final from sixth the year in 95. Like you get on yeah. runs, you go out. Yeah, they, made it, from, they made it the from ninth in 98. Yeah, th- that, these things happen. Um, Newcastle... Oh, sorry, I didn't mention... They finished, sorry, that's, yeah. that's poor for yeah, me. Sorry. I should. I, yeah. I missed that. Canterbury also... Sorry, so mm. Canberra finished seventh. Canterbury finished ninth mm. from Super League in 1998 and ended up going yeah. on a run to the grand final. Yeah. Sorry, I shouldn't have glossed over that. Um, no, 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 that's... So it ends it, up it being an all-Super sure. League grand final, mm. but... But it covers over a bit, doesn't it? Yeah, of course. Um, and, and, and that's what I was going to say, is that you do need to... If you want to get a real measurement... Um, we judge who wins the comp and that's exactly the way we should by who wins the grand final. But if you just want to get a measurement across the leagues is that the fact is they all played each other twice or near twice or whatever, yeah. um, or what, however it worked once maybe in that there, but whatever happened is they all played each other a relatively similar amount of times. And, and the ARL clubs tended to be towards the top. Newcastle finished at the top with Brisbane. So this, this concept that Super League had this wonderful product, I think, is bunk and they had as i'll get to in a moment the best team probably um but you know i think a lot of it's mythalized by the raiders i think the raiders cover up a lot of this they go oh they got brisbane and canberra canberra would would were done canberra yeah were and they didn't do anything almost, when they came back mm, like there was no like- they didn't do anything in the super league they didn't do anything the year before canberra one of the great sides of all time and, and you know with brisbane the team of the decade but they were on the downswing they you know their it, best it was days pretty much 89 going, to 94 it's like by 97 mm, that's you know yep. 95 they big off. swing they unexpectedly yeah. lose a final in 95 and that's probably the end of the time where they were going to be at that pointy end. And, and, and yeah, so I hope that's put across in an okay way. And I'll, I'll jump if you, if you're happy for me to, to the question of Newcastle and Brisbane, which, you know, I don't know it's hypothetical, but I, I, we should look at it. So a lot of people say, yeah, you know, Newcastle would never have beaten Brisbane and they wouldn't have beaten the Broncos and the comp's not legitimate or it tarnishes it. And I've heard people mean that meanly or, or disparagingly and I've heard people just fair income say it's a shame it tarnishes it because they didn't beat everyone um I'll be upfront with you straight away so 
No, Newcastle wouldn't have beaten the 97 Broncos if they played against them. They would have had to play the team they played against that day and they would have had to play against Lazarus and Mundine. They had Mick DeVere wasn't even in this game. They had so many players that on balance, anyone can win a game on any given day. But if it comes down to the chase, I've watched the 97 prelim, the way they were playing against the Bears. I've seen and reminded myself where Joey was at at that point of his career. He's a wonderful player, not where he finished though. Um, I'm reminded of what the strengths and weaknesses of those guys were and they had a credible upside as they showed a bit in this game and a lot in that Bears game we watched, but they had a lot of rough edges and I find it very difficult to believe as much as I love them that the team that we watched play this game with the added in Super League players would have beat, I don't think they would have beaten them. If you played them 10 times, they'd have lost nine. Um, So you have to conclude they probably wouldn't have won. But um, I just have a view on a couple of those things as to why that doesn't really matter, um, to be honest with you. Mm. Um, I think firstly, one of the reasons Super League started, and we can, there's a million reasons that we can't cover that all here, but one of the really big things was Canberra and Brisbane had a very big gripe about salary caps being brought in and the idea of breaking them up and all of this happening. Yeah. And what I want to put to you is that the Super League started very much with this in mind and Brisbane... Brisbane side that they had in the mid-90s walked into Super League and added Anthony Mundine and Gordon Tallis. Gordon Tallis went to go to them. That came about when Super League signings happened. He sat out a season to do it, but it happened because of Super League. Um, Mundine goes there because of Super League. And what would have happened in the ARL? They weren't supposed to add Mundine and Tallis. They're supposed to lose players. So what you get is that the Broncos team that gets built in 1997, and again, within those rules and deserves all the credit for going on to do what they do, wasn't supposed to be... That wasn't what football was supposed to look like because those sorts of teams were supposed to be too good for other teams to beat and it wasn't supposed to be fair. If the Super League war doesn't happen, Brisbane don't have that team. Brisbane don't get Mundine. They don't get Gordon Tallis that year. They don't keep adding players in that way. The comp was trying to strip that back. That's what they were doing. They wasn't supposed to have that side. So if you just transplant that 97 team into a game, yeah, okay, I think they beat Newcastle. That's totally fair enough. But... The idea that it strips Newcastle's of legitimacy, I just don't really buy because the Super League started a competition where they said, we're going to let you sign yeah, it's, it's whoever you like. Their sides assembled by, by, different, different by different rules. Yeah. Well, it's like saying the Knights. Yeah. Imagine if Super League started a competition and said that you know England could just play their national team in it. And then people said, well, they'd never have, Newcastle wouldn't have won. They didn't have to beat the Great Britain team. And you go, yeah, because it's a different set of rules. That's what I'm saying. They're putting together yeah. teams under a different roster. And I, I suppose... What I, what, I, what I really want to get to it is that I've thrown a lot of facts here where I think the ARL might have had a stronger comp. I think Brisbane undoubtedly, and I acknowledge, was the strongest team in 97. I don't mm-hmm. acknowledge they were the strongest team under the 96 rules. I, I think in 97, they were the best team in the world, and I'm happy to acknowledge that it was unlikely Newcastle would beat them in many games if we had a crack at them. Um, but what I want to say to you is that... These are all, in a way, logic and facts. And people that don't like the Knights or who follow Brisbane like to throw this out as an idea that it delegitimizes or tarnishes what happened in 97. And look, I know having thrown a lot of stats myself, it might sound funny, but I just want to say that those sorts of things can't change rugby league because rugby league has never been played in a, in, in a stat book. It's not played with statistics. And it's not played with numbers or logic. It has always been about the emotion and about the people who follow it and about those feelings and your team and anyone who watches the 97 season and we'll get to doing the super league 
season one day in the grand final. If you watch that 97 game, that just captured not only Newcastle as a town, but the game as a whole was captured, caught up in that. And it captured everyone's imagination, what happened, the Knights doing what they did. The grown men, Paul Harrigan crying on the ground with Malcolm Reilly in tears, isn't fake and can't you can't convince them what happened wasn't real you can't convince me at eight years old in the grandstand wasn't real or the 20,000 people lining up down the highway that it wasn't real what happened happened for those people and happened for me nothing you can ever tell me takes that moment away so it is legitimate and will always be legitimate because it was real to the people that were involved and were there and the fact that there was some behemoth team existing in the world at the same time We'll never take that away. The fact that we didn't have to play this team that probably could have beaten us and would have beaten us in a game will never take away the fact that we won the grand final in those circumstances with that side. Is, is, mm. That's mm. really no, at the end course. of the day. Because that's what sport, <laughs> this is the thing. For all the statistics and all that, I mean, sport exists mm. as... Sport, as a spectator at least, sport is feelings. That's, you know, mm. it's, not, it's got nothing to do with statistics. And, and you know, that, that there will be... There, there will have been plenty of people who've watched their team win a legitimate, uh, watched their team win a grand final before or after this in a full, comp, fully fledged competition, uh, who have not, who didn't feel the kind of untrammeled joy that Newcastle people felt when Darren Albert ran across the line. It just, it, it, you know, it, that's that that is a big factor because what else is there? What what else matters other than that mm. that feeling? Um, but there is another question. I mean. We're talking about the Knights and the Broncos. The, the thing about this whole era is that they were probably the two strongest sides from about mm. 97 to maybe 2001, 2002, yeah. something like that, around that time, uh, when, when Andrew Johns was at his peak and Brisbane had this post-Super League side that they were allowed mm. to kind of keep for a while and they had 11 players mm. in state of origin and all this kind of thing. Um, Newcastle and Brisbane never played each other in the finals during that period, never mind in a grand final. There were a couple of times where it could have happened. They, they both made prelims at the same time and one of them got in and the other didn't and that kind of thing. Um, and it is a bit of a shame because it would have been the kind of great occasion uh, because mm. th- they were totally different types of sides. Brisbane, very powerful, very mm. repeatable kind of um, mm. this machine and Newcastle, uh, quite flighty and would throw the ball around and one day they'd be mm. 15 out of 10 and the next day they'd be one out of 10 and they'd zing the ball from mm. side to side. And, um, it is a great show. Well, the next minute, the next minute, they'd the be one minute. out of 10, 15, yeah, yeah, yeah. 15 out of 10 for 20 minutes, then one out of 10 for five and up and down. Yeah. And Brisbane's just that machine, like that clinical machine. You're absolutely and that's, right. That's yeah. kind of, that would have been the grand final of this era, you know, mm. like Canterbury and the Roosters got theirs in 2004. Mm. They were the two best sides for three or four years and they, they got to have. They got their grand final uh, where they came up against each other. Um, you know, the Roosters in Melbourne have had that in the last couple of years. Um, well, we, but, ran, we ran into the Roosters so many times in this era. It's just so odd that we never ran into Brisbane. We played. We knocked yeah. the Roosters out, or they knocked us out every year from about. 2000 to 2003 maybe and we probably played them in 98 you said as well so we nearly played them nearly every year in the finals and one of them knocked the other one out for about four seasons mainly them knocking us out unfortunately but um it's quite odd just as a because they were a good side as well it's just so funny that this particular team we ran into every season and we never never, yeah never ran into brisbane it's not like they were one and two every year they were just they were falling in different parts of the finals and never quite crossing over on the same day 
and look, can I this and this comes to my point, uh, and we have talked about this a little bit. I, 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 I this is my my totally objective Cessnock based mm. Newcastle Knights fan view mm. is that there is no way in hell under any circumstances that if the Newcastle Knights had played the Broncos both at full strength in a grand final that they would have that the Knights would have lost. There's no way that Andrew would have allowed that to happen. Yeah, I. It wouldn't, yeah, she wouldn't I have allowed it to happen. I refuse I to believe like, it. I refuse to me, believe it. You put me in a very difficult position because I just don't want to sit here and say, like, argue about Andrew John's not being good enough to do something. But he was good enough to do it. And we, as I said, um, having him in the team, you know, we, of course we could win a game. I, on balance, I still think we lose to them nine out of ten times um, because we did. Andrew John's did play. He played in – you can say he wouldn't in a grand final. Is there a reason he didn't today? Because, like, in that game we just watched? Because it, it was a pretty big game. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's one of those things this, we, we do. You're trying to approach this yeah. through the prism of logic and reason. What yeah. I'm saying to you yeah. is that on – the, the, he yeah. on a grand in a grand final. The, yeah. the, yeah. I refuse. I know. To, I, I know. Well, I refuse I know. to accept it's it. A, it. It's, it's fair. a great shame, it's just... and my greatest regret from the history yeah. of football is that they never got the opportunity to do that. Yeah. Well. I, yeah. I. Not a ninety-eight. Not a ninety-eight. Every year is different. There's no, there's no Andrew Johns would have done this in this year or that year. The teams matter. Um, I give you a whole heap of reasons that the team, you know, if you looked at the edge back rows and different technical reasons that this wasn't the year to do it. 2000 might have been the time we wanted to have a look when we blew that mm. prelim. That might have been the year when the Knights had the young Simpson and Kennedy and Baderas had been there a bit longer and Brisbane was still awesome. That might have been the really, yeah, really the one, perfect time. Sure. That was that the... Newcastle was very good this year, but they weren't. 2000 was the crossover. Brisbane were great from 98 to 2001, and Newcastle were out incredible from 2000 to 2002. That was the crossover, and 2000 was your perfect link year, and we blew it in the prelim, and they, they didn't get past Parramatta in 2001. Um, those were probably the two years. 2000 would have been perfect. But, look, I know where you're coming from, it, it, but it's... You know, it's just one of those things, isn't it? Andrew John's lost origins. You know, Jonathan Thurston lost to um, Trent Hodkinson and, and Josh Reynolds. We, we get to the end yeah. of guys' careers and we think that they never lost. And, you know, we go, oh, this guy was yeah. a winner. Like Brad, Brad Fittler lost three grand finals. Like it, it's, um, you know, these, these things, or two or three anyway, but these, I, we'll, we'll never know. But I, I think, I, I just want to be fair and objective. And I've tried to say why I, I don't think it mattered. I think the existence of this behemoth side doesn't affect the legitimacy of what Newcastle did, especially with the stats I did give about who they did have to play. I think it's legitimate enough that the memory won't be tarnished by that in the same way that Roosters fans don't care that Canterbury got banned in 2002, in the same way that the Dragons fans under Wayne's era don't sit back and go, well, the storm got knocked out, so we don't feel as happy about this. I, I don't believe that when there's a reason that these things happen, you know, I mean, Andrew Johns in 2002 breaks his back in the finals when we're up 16 nil and East win the comp. People don't talk about that because it doesn't matter. They won the grand final and they're entire. It is legitimate. They won. People get hurt. People miss games. And this year was weird. Well, yeah. Yes, it was weird to have a great team out of the competition, but um, they beat most of the sides that mattered. There was a behemoth side out there. They probably wouldn't have beaten, but it doesn't change the memories or how real it was. And if you look at the emotion of that versus the emotion of the super league final, it tells you what really was, the legitimate competition. Um, but at the same time, we acknowledge Brisbane were out there and they were a great side. Um, yeah. If they had a played in the comp with that side, they probably would have won it. But that doesn't that, mean that's we, the, it doesn't the, matter. That's, the, that's probably the... That's, I think that's yeah. our... Uh, 
takeaway message that, uh, you know, it doesn't matter. Whether they would have won or not no. doesn't matter. I am entitled to sit here with my rose-coloured glasses and believe that Andrew Johns in a grand final would have beaten every side, every rugby league side that's ever existed, uh, <laughs> even, if he was, even if he was captain coach of the Cessnock Goannas. And, uh, you know... What about Bronco, now? Yeah. They're still backing. Still? Yeah, yeah me yeah, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and people, and people, who, people who follow the Broncos are entitled to think that 97 was a great triumph. They still say that they should be acknowledged as back-to-back premiers. Uh, having won it in '97 and then again in '98, um, good luck to them. You know, uh, it, it it doesn't matter, but it is it's enjoyable to talk about, and I'm glad that we've done it. Um, and I'm sure people will have views. We might we'll, we'll toss that question up during the week and watch the mayhem that ensues. Um, mm. Unless you have anything else, I want to leave you with a um, a comment that was left on it. We put up a thing through the week on Facebook asking people what they remember from this game. Um, I want to acknowledge the contribution of a friend of the show, Guy Neen who says, I remember a Knights Darrow punching a Broncos fan on the hill for waving his flag. Mm. Um, which, you know... I think that illustrates my point from before, doesn't it? About a little bit. at the mouth on the hill, yeah. Yeah, I think that's a little mm. bit right. So uh, whoever the Broncos fan was, he probably should have known better. Uh, you don't hear the word mm. Darrow as much anymore, can I say? <laughs> it's a shame. It is a bit. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway, thank you for that contribution, guys. It's very good to know. Um, yeah, but I hope uh, I hope you've enjoyed this romp through the Super Bowl of 1998. And uh, you know, there's nothing better there's, there's nothing better in rugby league than having a kind of 30 minute discussion of something and then deeming it at the end to be a pointless discussion in the first place. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I hope you've enjoyed the pointless discussion. Uh, Gazzy, any final thoughts? Nope, enjoyed it. Even though my team got belted, it's still enjoyable watching old football. Can't wait to do it next week. Yes, it certainly didn't change any views of mine. Uh, thank, you. thank you as always for joining us on the Rugby League Cemetery. Uh, we'll be back through the week, I suspect, with a, uh, with a Bring Out Your Dead. We're going to look at another player from the past. And we'll, of course, be back next week with a full-length, full-strength episode of the Cemetery covering another grave, uh, another grave and another game from history. <laughs>